and welcome back to Things Are Going Great For Me, a podcast about the arts and the entertainment business. My name is J. Claude Deering. I'm an actor and a comedian. If you're returning to the show, I'm absolutely thrilled. And if you're new here, welcome. Pull up a chair and get comfortable because we want you all to enjoy yourselves. You can follow me, your host, at J. Claude Deering on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow our show handle on Instagram at Things Are Going Great For Me. There you'll find our link tree that has links for our Patreon and some cool Things Are Going Great For Me swag, including a quietly dignified Things Are Going Great For Me coffee mug. We've also got hoodies, t-shirts, and tote bags, so check them out and listen in comfort and style. You can find all our products in our link tree on our show Instagram page at Things Are Going Great For Me. On our link tree, you'll also find our Patreon, which features additional interview coverage from our Season 1, Season 2, and Season 3 guests, including our bonus Quarpod series, in which I ask guests about how they adjusted to life in quarantine and how the pandemic is continuing to change life in the entertainment industry. Our Patreon is a vital part of making this show happen. So if you'd like to support us, give us a subscribe on there. You can check us out on Patreon directly at patreon.com slash things are going great for me. And by the way, we're delighted to welcome back our sponsor for this series, Icelandic Glacial, the purest tasting water on earth, sourced from the legendary Ulfus Spring in Iceland, naturally filtered through ancient lava rock, and certified carbon neutral for both product and operation. You are what you drink. Be exceptional. Icelandic Glacial natural spring water sourced from Iceland. Available on Amazon and at local retailers near you. If you like any of what you hear today, please do us a big kindness. Subscribe to the show. Leave us a nice comment. Tell your aunt about us. Give us those five stars wherever you're getting your podcast from today. On each episode of this series, you'll hear from huge movie stars, big TV stars, famous podcast hosts, and even some bright, shining Broadway stars, as well as second guest interviews with exciting up-and-coming actors and comedians and established producers, authors, writers, and directors. Today's first guest is Alyssa Limparis. Alyssa is an actor and a comedian. Her debut one-hour comedy special, No Bad Days, was released this past August on Peacock. It's a fantastic and bold debut comedy special that succeeds both in being a deeply honest portrayal of grief following the loss of her father from brain cancer, that still manages to find as many jokes and as much playfulness as she shared in her relationship with her wonderful dad. It's a fantastic special. I highly recommend checking it out. You may also recognize Alyssa from her hilarious Massachusetts mom videos, which she writes, acts in, and edits. The viral success of these videos has led to glowing press coverage from the likes of Vulture, Decider, Forbes, The New York Times, and The Wall Street Journal. As an actor, Alyssa can currently be seen in season two of Showtime's Flatbush Misdemeanors. She also voices multiple characters on the Cartoon Network show We Baby Bears. And she stars in the indie horror comedy feature Too Late alongside Fred Armisen. She's also been featured in multiple sketches on Conan. I was lucky to get to work with Alyssa last year on a really fun commercial campaign. She's great people, and I'm thrilled I got to chat with her for the pod. I'll be speaking with Alyssa in a few minutes. And a little bit later, you'll also get my interview with Cheyenne Perez. Cheyenne is a comedy writer and actor who was born and raised in L.A. You can see her recurring roles as Joe on Mindy Kaling's The Sex Lives of College Girls and Heather on Apple TV's For All Mankind. She has three more Apple TV Plus bookings under her belt that are coming out, including the feature film Spirited, starring Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, the series Platonic, starring Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne, and another series, Sugar, starring Colin Farrell. Cheyenne is becoming one of the busiest people I know. She's got an incredible work ethic and her comedic mind is boundless. She's someone everyone should be aware of because she's due for a big breakthrough. Stick around for her interview. You're not going to want to miss it. 
But before we move on to interviews, I'm thrilled to welcome back my producer and co-host, Winston Carter. Hey, how's it going? Um, did you, this thing that Cheyenne said about, she had this audition she talks about for, I think for the movie Spirited with Will Ferrell, the director had her improvise for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just... That's bananas. In, incredible. That's and, insane. And she's coming up with, she's playing a huge, I think, as I recall, like a huge musical theater nerd. So, and Cheyenne, of course, <laughs> is not a big fan of musicals. Yeah. So she has to do, she's doing 30 minutes of solo improv, coming up with, you know, as far as I can tell, like she was coming up with like her favorite yeah. musicals. So she's making up musicals on the mm. spot. Just built incredible. for you. That's an audition built for you. <laughs> oh, I would, I would do great. <laughs> I would do great. But I don't know about thirty minutes. I've never. Have you ever heard of anything like that? No, I know that that's like a big uh, thing in general with like commercial auditions. As you go in, and they're just like, just you know, make make it your own. Be funnier, and you're like, I'm not yeah. writing this thing for you. I, oh, I, there is that. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Like like people, I've heard so many horror stories of people going audition. And then they don't book it, but the thing they definitely said that was not in the script is in the commercial. And you're like, what, what is this? Well, I know. It feels different when it's like a team of copywriters from a major uh, commercial or um, uh, advertising company. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. It feels not as fun. I think yeah. th- you know, what, when she gets to set to do this movie, they're telling her that they're just rolling camera and she can do whatever yep. she wants. That makes somebody a star. That makes – yeah. No, that's wild. That's a little uh, different than amazing. like you're you're selling socks or something. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but I just think it's an incredible feat that <laughs> people should know, should know about her. Mm-hmm. Now, last week's episode featured folks you don't know personally, but I feel like this week you're it's more likely that you do know Alyssa and Cheyenne. Have you met them? I do not. Uh, I'm uh, very familiar with both of them, and am in like. Passing like like ships in the night with both of them, <laughs> if that makes sense. Because uh, Alyssa's uh, obviously a UCB person, so we have like a lot of. I know for a fact we have a lot of mutuals, and then Cheyenne's a pack person, which is where I'm at now. Right. So then right. we have a bunch of mutuals through that. But I don't. I probably have met. I don't know. I I don't want to say I haven't met them because then if we have, then I'm a dick. But I don't think <laughs> I've okay met them. If you don't remember, it's possible yeah. it happens. Yeah. Because I'm such a big star and I don't remember. <laughs> you are to me. Yeah. Are, are, are you in your own mind a big star? No, absolutely. In my, in my mind, I am shocked anyone ever wants me to do anything. <laughs> like when people a lot ask of people me to do, do. Stuff, I'm like, I'm like, are you me? You've got I'm a not bu- going to be funny. You've <laughs> got a like, busy dance card. You always do. Um, <laughs> So, among other things, Alyssa and I talk about testing for SNL. Mm-hmm. I've made a couple of bad tapes for SNL. Have you Have you yeah. ever made an SNL? Oh, I have yeah. not. I'm just brand new into the, I think, the world where, like, submitting packets and things would make sense for that. Mm. Uh, so, I'm like, oh, shit, is that something I have to think about? Or even, also, is that something I want to do? It's kind of like, like that would be amazing, but like it would change my whole life in a way that uh, I don't love. Honestly, but, I gotta uh, be—I gotta be honest. I've written a few packets as well. Like I wrote—I've mm-hmm. written at least one sort of officially for Conan, and uh, you know, I, I will say like I really enjoy writing packets. 
I enjoy doing that. I enjoy writing a packet more than I enjoy putting a tape together for SNL because I feel like, and I think maybe I say this to Alyssa, it's like in terms of like my doing impressions, I think they happen in conversation. You know, I think they just sometimes they just somebody mentioned something or and I, I like I suddenly am doing an impression of somebody and it's not Ooh, bad. But yeah. if somebody were to say like do an impression right now of this person, it would be would terrible. Yeah. I could see I see you having a killer Jimmy Stewart. I, 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 I don't have your money. Uh, there you go. See, look at that. That's perfect. Your money's what at you, Bob's house. What, and... what you need to do is record every moment of your waking life. So that is that how I strike you? Guys, remember. Do I strike you as a Jimmy Stewart type? Because oh, I'll, ta- I'll take it. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting close now. We're in October. We're heading toward Jimmy it, Stewart headed, season. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart season. <laughs> That's right. He's holding in His, one. It's just a wonderful. It's a wonderful well, listen, life, but right? but he did scary <laughs> movies too. Oh, that is true. He's got that the whole true. holidays covered. Did he do a yeah. Thanksgiving movie? Surely. Surely there's a Thanksgiving scene in one of his movies. He's in like a hundred movies. Surely. Uh, all right, folks. Without further ado, here now is my interview with the wonderful, brilliantly talented, and kind Alyssa Limparis. So we met at the end of last year. Um, we had a really fun time working together on a series of commercial spots and web series for a brand called Quick Trip, which... No, no, no. I'm not even kidding. That was the most fun project of my life. Like, we had so much fun. We had such a great time. Now, this is a hugely popular chain in the Midwest. Yes, true, true. My producer, Winston, is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he called Quick Trip the what the Arclight movie theater chain is to movies, Quick Trip is to gas stations. It's a beloved wow. a beloved com- company. So we're very it's very cool that we get to say we're in the Quick Trip cinematic universe. Yes. Um, they spent a lot of money on a series of web episodes parodying 90s sitcoms. Our episode parodied Seinfeld and Friends. I played the Ross Jerry. Seinfeld character and you were the Rachel slash Elaine character. We had an totally. absolute blast on this set. Um, the web series is directed by Paul Berganti, who directs all the video oh. sketches and music videos for Saturday Night Live. And he brought all of his people to work with him on this. It was super fun. We had such a good time. Um, I remember in the callback for the spots, we were all auditioning remotely via Zoom. And yes. We got paired together with Jeremy Colhane, who yeah. also booked the job. And I just remember at some point seeing you across the Zoom screen just being like, you're really funny, you know? Same, same. That's how I felt. Yeah, it was just like, that's how I felt. Yeah. And when we all got, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. We had so, I felt so like, yeah, strongly about everyone in the Zoom. I was like, wow, yeah, this is, I was at my mom's house too. And it's really sometimes hard to do zoom auditions where you're improvising and being playful with multiple people, but we sure yeah, is. Oh, we the zoom vibing, the zoom callback is fraught with a bunch yes. of problems. And, but yeah, we had a great time. Well, I knew you though, from before, because I see, I had seen your, I had seen your, uh, viral sketches that you have done. Um, you've gone viral many times over playing a, a very well-known Boston mom character. Yeah. And this is a this is a very stressed out, but <laughs> but lovable character. That's right. It's immediately identifiable to folks from Massachusetts. 
Is this character based on your mother? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it totally. Okay. I love stressed out but lovable because I do feel that's that's really nice and I feel that's a lot of my characters. That's kind of a good way to describe a lot of them. Yeah, kind and of so, all stressed. And so then she must, at this point, she must be a local Boston hero. I think so. I think sometimes people, especially when we're together, people will notice like her more than me. They'll be like, oh, my God, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and she's she's a really good sport, but yeah, they're based like truly fully on her. They're, I mean, like line for line. I mean, obviously it's a bit heightened. She doesn't pop out of bushes and stuff. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, they were born from just me spending a lot of time with her. It seems like the family events, like the get-togethers, the the, the holiday, the, the Thanksgiving meal, that the it's like this is this is just prime real estate for this kind of a character, right? Do you know what it is that I've found? And that's an astute observation, but yeah, it's like the lower stakes the event, the better the video, right? It's like if, because people are like, oh, do like mom <laughs> at an airport or like mom on, uh, in trap. And I'm like, yeah, but that's like actually a little stressful. I like when it's like, this shouldn't be stressful. It should just be a, a barbecue. It like someone, just be... someone didn't get the fluff or nutter from the stop and shop. And, and that, that that's is tragedy. tragedy. And that yeah. is like a panic, <laughs> chaos. The the 20% chance of rain is like chaos. That is like throwing everything. So yeah, yeah I feel I feel that that's what it is. Yeah. That's a good point. And so yeah. is, and is she happy with her level of legend dumb? I think she is. I think she is. Yes, she's yeah, she's happy. I haven't done I haven't done them in a while, but she was you know, she would help me film them and stuff, and they were always a, a thing she, she liked to do, which is a great, she's a good sport. So, yeah. and uh, we talked about this on set, and we were talking also with our my sound engineer, Christopher, just before here, who is uh, a, a Gloucester, Massachusetts, uh, Massachusetts native. But could you talk again, where, where, what part of Massachusetts are you from? Yeah, so I'm from Seekonk, Mass, which is, it's, guess how it's spelled, first of all. Seekonk. Uh, Seekonk, you think Massachusetts? What do you think? All right, so here's my guess. It's going to be wrong, but my guess would be there are a lot of places in Massachusetts with the name C in it, like Manchester by the Sea. So right. I am going to go ahead and say it's S E A. And then Conk, I'm going to go, uh, Jesus Christ. I'm going to go, <laughs> oh, Jesus. C O. Am I wrong already? You're so wrong. You're already down a path that you can't recover from. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. It, you would think it's like S-E-A and then conch, like like a conch shell. Sure, But yeah. it's just S-E-E-K-O-N-K. <laughs> it's just, it's what, like do you, how... Do you know what the etymology yeah. is for that no. word? No, I would, no, I, I everyone... I don't even anyway. know if the word etymology is the right word for what I'm thinking. no. I, Epidemiologists I, is the are the folks that are the the COVID doctors. Etymology, right. I think etymology refers to the iteration of a word. Iteration, good lord. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, we are so both. See, just, yeah, this is why we're actors. This is why we're actors. <laughs> we don't. Have, yeah, <laughs> an actor having a podcast is somebody pretending to be smart for sure. Like that's a that's a worst. <laughs> Worst offender. Well, the headphones, I think, yeah, you, the headphones are helping you a lot. You know, the headphones can buy you, the headphones <laughs> and the frames can buy you a lot of people looking at you, they go, okay, this is an, this is a podcast. That's, yeah. that's what I tried to go with, with the glasses too. The, the yes. thing is, the, the, people have on, on occasion, I think, mistook me for being smart because yes. I wear glasses, but it is, <laughs> it is a, it is a red herring. It is a red flag. 
It's a red flag. Yeah, you are playing the role of podcaster, of, of intelligent <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, no, no, no. You're very smart. Um, so Seacog, so it's like sees candy, S-E-E, cog. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I don't really know what, but it's it's um, closer to Rhode Island than it is to Massachusetts. So it's like I was uh, right on the border of uh, Rhode Island. I went to school in Rhode Island and everything. So, oh, right. I, yeah. Yeah, Rhode Island kind of gets roped into being part of Massachusetts way too often. So wait, so could you then say again? So are you, so you're right on the border, but you're on the Massachusetts side. I am on the Mass. Yeah, it's Seekonk, okay. Mass. So I'm technically in Massachusetts, but people will always be like, "Oh, Boston or the Cape," but I don't really know that part of town as much as I know. Yeah. Rhode Island. Do you still have this thing? Because it's just about to be July 4th. And I do feel like July 4th is such a great time to be in Massachusetts. Like, do, do you get that same urge? Yes, I am actually in New York working out of New York for the next couple, two and a half weeks. So I think I'll probably try to get home and get to the beaches for the 4th of July. Nice. Yeah. So this, so the viral success of your character videos has led to glowing press coverage from the likes of Vulture and Decider oh and gosh. Forbes. Oh and the, my gosh. I, oh, I read Wikipedia pages. And then <laughs> uh, I do my research on Wikipedia. And so... I guess my question would be, where did you start posting these videos originally? Were you, were they, did you put them up on TikTok? Did you do Instagram or just, was it like all of the above? Oh, J. Claude. We're, we're taking I, it way back to Tumblr, we're, aren't we? We're literally, I mean, I joke, but it's like when I started these, you couldn't put videos on, well, TikTok didn't exist. And I want to say even Instagram like when, when did Instagram, like I think that some of the first ones weren't even maybe on Instagram video, could that be? I think Twitter video was the first place where I put them. And then maybe Instagram shortly thereafter, but it's crazy how quickly things change because yeah, TikTok definitely didn't exist and like Reels didn't exist or anything. And um, So I think you could only post, that's what it was, you could only post one minute chunks and then you could slide it over on Instagram. Anyway, huh, right. I was working at the, yeah, I, I was working at Condé Nast, and that's where I made a bunch of videos and sort of learned how to edit and everything. So, oh, I what were you been... doing? What were you doing for Condé Nast? Were you were a producer there, a video producer? Yeah, basically me. And do you know Emily Murnane? She's a really funny comedian and writer. I don't, but I know some folks who work over at Condé Nast, and I've worked in the that area as like a digital yeah. producer before, so I, I know that world a little bit. Yeah, so I, we were basically on the video production team for this this female brand called Iris. And so we were able to just make a bunch of funny videos and it was great. Cause I didn't, I went into that job, not really, I started as a copywriter. Anyway, I, I kind of went in, I found myself yeah. into the job, but I didn't really know immediately how to do it. So I got to learn how to do editing and producing and filming and everything. And then, so I was, I was already doing a lot of digital videos at that point. And then I started making videos on my own and putting them on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Jesus, you put them on Twitter. That is something like putting a video on Twitter is inc incredibly charged to me. Well, it's so funny because I have, yes. I, I, maybe but maybe yes it was fun now, Twitter. It, it was, was fun, fun Twitter. I feel very like grateful for my, yeah, yeah. I, 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 um, yeah. It was also very early on Twitter videos and, um, yeah. Was it even like, it was, a, yeah, it just was a, maybe a bit of a brighter place, I feel. It's gotten a little bit darker of late, but I feel it was a bit lighter when I was posting these. Yeah. 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 There was a, there was a sweet time, I think, to be on Twitter where it's like people, it seemed to be a little bit more about being irreverent. Um, what was it like then at that, and 
during those days of Twitter, like starting to get something that was going viral? Like, was it seeing someone famous retweet something like a video that you posted? Was it a major media company reaching out to you and saying, we want to feature a bunch of your videos? Yeah, I would say it was like, it was okay. I would say at its core, I didn't have reps at this point and I was really wanting to act and I was feeling like I wasn't able to do the thing I wanted to do and I couldn't figure out how. And I would say at its core, these videos, I remember this feeling of like the minute I posted one being like, oh, I don't, I, I'm doing it. And like, maybe I'm not being paid right now, but this thing that I've been trying to do and waiting to do, I'm able to do. So it kind of like was this liberating thing of I can just do this and then they would get slowly more popular. And yeah, it was cool when it was, yeah, I would say more than media outlets, it was more just like it would build, it would build, it built my following. And I felt it was just a way that I was showing people, this is how I am. This is how I, this is what I find funny. This is, this is like me. Uh, and I'm not, it was just freeing to be like, Oh, I don't, I don't have to, I guess, wait or anything. I can just keep doing these. And, if this is the, if the, if I don't, if, if nothing else ever happens, that's okay because I've been able to be funny in the way that I wanted to be funny. And so that I think was what was most liberating was it took a lot of the pressure yeah. off and then slowly things started happening and I got reps and moved to LA and everything, which would be largely in part due to those videos. I would yeah. Say. And so we're at, at the time, were you doing UCB in New York? Like, so you're working at Condé Nast. Are you also doing comedy classes on the side? Yeah, so I, I started, I had like a little bit of, yeah, I did a lot of, you know, graduated college, did a lot of live comp, tried doing a lot of, went through all the UCB classes, but couldn't get on, I just couldn't get on a team. And so then I moved towards stand up, and then, mm-hmm. And then eventually got on a team at UCB and did these videos. But it took it took a little while in the beginning. And I think these videos were my way of just being like, just do what, yeah, do what you want to do. Just stop, stop like worrying about, uh, yeah, if you're, yeah. Okay, got it. And then so what was the, oh, by the way, anybody cool that you were in class with at the uh, UCB in New York? I'm sure I there mean, had to have been some cool folks in those classes all my closest friends I met doing those classes. So, so many cool people, just, yeah, a lot of people I still collaborate with and I'm really close with, I met there and I, yeah. Yeah, all right, so then, so then what was the thing that gets you your reps? Was it, like, how does that end up coming about? Is it somebody that you know saying, oh, you've got to, you've got to meet my reps, they're so great, or is someone blind reaching out to you and saying, like, who are you? We love these videos. We'd love to have a meeting. Yeah, I got really fortunate and lucky. Um, Felicia Fasano is a is like great my casting guardian. director. Yeah, yeah, and my sort of guardian angel because she reached out, being like, God, these are these are really funny. Like, who are your reps? And I was like, I actually don't have reps. And she just totally took me under her wing and mm-hmm. was like, okay. And and she set me up with meetings, and then from that, that's where I got my reps. So I oh, owe fantastic. her a lot. Yeah. And so then at some point you get invited to do a studio test for Saturday Night Live, right? I was unwrapped. I was unwrapped. So that was, that was before all that this, That was before actually. all this. Oh, that could... was before all this. So I was making these videos where I was doing like tons of different characters and I was doing lots of different sketches. And that's what got me just uh, someone from SNL reached out to my commercial agent at that point because I didn't have uh, an agent theatrically. And 
I screen tested. And then when I didn't get it, I think I felt very like, oh, I don't know where to go from here. I just screen tested and I still don't, and that I don't have reps and I don't know what else to, and then I just kept, I just kind of kept going and making the videos and then, yeah. Wow. That's a, what an extraordinary thing. And also, and, and now I've had a lot of, I've had, uh, not a lot, I've had a few friends who've tested for SNL. I understand it's a very special experience. It's an often nerve wracking experience. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about, are you comfortable talking a little bit about how that went for you? Yeah, no, it was, it was a, I, it was all so fast is all I remember. I was, I was just doing these videos and I was, it kind of came out of left field, like, SNL wants to see you showcase and I had never done characters live. I'd just been doing them online. So I remember I had like a week to figure out what characters to do at the showcase. And I just spent every second of that week trying to figure out what I could do. And then I did the showcase that week. I remember being super stressed because I had like infinite. I was like, there's an infinite amount of characters I could do. And maybe I don't know which to choose. And then once I did the showcase and they said they wanted to see, Oh, actually, no, here's what happened. I did the showcase. I was supposed to visit my boyfriend's family in LA. So I got on a plane after like the Saturday after the showcase, flew to LA, landed in LA, had a voicemail from my commercial agent being like, they want to see you. You got to <laughs> fly back. It was like from a movie, you know, so I didn't leave wow. the airport. I just stayed. Holy shit. I stayed in the airport, got back on that flight, turned around. And I think I had to screen test like the next day. And in a way, I mean, I was obviously, I'm sure, extremely nervous, but in a way, at that point, I'd already, they were just like, do the same thing you did at the showcase. So it kind of took the, it was like, okay, well, now I just have to do that same thing, which I now know how to do. And I'll just practice that. But it made me a little bit more comfortable. So yeah. this is another example of just feeling a little bit like something was getting thrown together. The the, the, the frazzledness of it yes. was that then actually sort of worked in your in, at least in terms of your mental mood, like it, it, you felt, you felt that by the time you went to perform, you were in your, you were in your body performing. Definitely, definitely. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, and I do love live performance, so I remember just feeling yeah. I just had a lot of fun. So it was a, I had, so I had a lot of experience at that point with live performance in general, not with characters. But then once I had characters, I was like, oh, this is kind of like stand up. Just you're doing it in a character. Um, so that was nice. I think it would have been scary if I didn't have any stand-up experience and I was just going out cold, but it was like, Oh, I, I, I know how to do stand-ups. So this is, this is similar. Did they laugh? I know they that's did. the thing. It's like the, the work is all funny, but it's like, you don't know if that room is, is going to laugh. I mean, they, again, they, I don't remember like the, all I remember is I got a couple laughs and I remember yeah. being like, okay, this is like in my head, I thought it was going to be like, no one laughs at all. Cause there's so many stories of like, no, mm -hmm. but it was, it wasn't like I was killing and they were like, yeah, <laughs> there wasn't like, a, it wasn't like, um, a rolling laughter, but I remember getting a few sort of peeps and being like, all right, I'll take and, it. Yeah. And Lauren Michaels is in that room. Right. You're, you're making eye contact with Lauren Michaels at all or not at all? Or you're just like, I'm not even I think looking. I did because I think if I remember, I do remember that though, like, moments before being like oh my god do i play to the camera or to the audience because i i'm so used to playing to an audience that then i was like wait i think i'm supposed to play to the camera oh yeah so i think i played to the camera mostly but then when i was doing like my mom character i played to the audience and i would just point to people and like comment because i was just doing it like live in the room i wasn't it wasn't yeah. as much like a so i think i 
I made eye contact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And what, so they say you, you know, so you do characters. They also say that there should be impressions yep. of well-known people, but they're not already on the show. Right. And they have to be in odd situations, right? They got the, to be in crazy situations. Yeah. What were the, what were your impressions? Oh my gosh. I don't even know if I remember. I bet I can. Let's see. Ooh. I don't know. I don't it's I it's been so long and uh, I really don't remember. Um Do you do a lot of impressions to this day or do you feel like I mean obviously you're you're, you're incredibly skilled at character work. It, the impressions are I guess versions of characters is is, is this yeah, something like you character still work. do? Yeah, I think a, a little bit. Um, I do, I did AOC for a while because we we look oh, so that's similar. A, that's a fun one. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that um, that'd I be a good that... one to do now for SNL for sure. Uh, yeah, but I'm pretty sure they they do have they do Someone's have someone on the show who, yeah. who does her. Um, Melissa Villas and you are I'm pretty sure does her. Got it right. And um, AOC is also some. Yeah, I just. I love her so much and I respect her so much that at a certain point I was like, I, I don't want to even, I don't want to, yeah. Ve veer into something that's disrespectful or something. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Because it was, especially while she was coming up in prominence, it was like, she was our last saving grace. Do you remember? It was just yeah. like, everything felt yeah. terrifying. And then it was like, Shh, our democracy is like on her shoulders. And I was just like, I don't want to, like, do your thing. I'm I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. It, do, it does feel like, in the, oftentimes I do think like, she is the future of the Democratic Party. Uh, I mean, totally. You know, it's like it, it, when we're in moments where we feel like who who's a leader, it's like it's then there's that conversation about like, well, how old does somebody have to be to just right, run for we, president? Right. Who cares if they're smart and they're, you know. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I love character work and I love, yeah, I, I love character work. That's probably my, my thing that I love most, but I do do impressions just... I don't usually do them unless it's for SNL, really. I don't think it's yeah, something yeah, I do sure. as much throughout the year. Yeah. I certainly don't do it. Too. I've made my SNL tapes. I don't think my impressions are the I what I what I have found in in my life is that like I might go into an impression just in the middle of a conversation with somebody yes. and that's when it's actually probably funny and good or I'll surprise like the other day I was I slipped right into like a Ewan McGregor just as Obi-Wan yeah. just talking to someone I was like that's not bad but right. I if I someone put a gun to my head and said like you have to do 10 impressions I'd be like I'm terrible I can't do those you know like right, there's right. something about I doing it on the spot with the impressions that it's like because maybe because of the my for me it's like i come more from an actor background it's like well that takes work and time and i have right to... i feel don't you feel maybe like we all have strengths and then the rest like there are things mm. that just come very naturally and then there are things that you have to like just work out a little bit uh that's kind of what it is yes some yeah like some roles you're like oh i don't even have to like prep this much this feels so easy to me and then some roles you're like oh i love this but this is going to take a little <laughs> bit of work or sure. whatnot yeah. yeah. Sometimes so if the role is yeah. sometimes if the role is closer to me, that's when I get even more scared. Tell me about that. What does that go on? Well, if the role is like if you look at, if you're looking at a role and it's uh, and sort of objectively it's like, well, you could map your experience right onto this character. Yes. 
there is still that mental game of being afraid, like, am I not doing enough? Or, you know, I think that that's a thing now that I think I've learned a little bit more, which is I think the skill of oftentimes the skill of being a TV star or a movie star, which is like, just be your wonderful self. Yes. But, but actors are, we, so many of us have gotten into this because we have made this decision that it's like, well, I don't want to be myself. I want to be anybody, <laughs> anybody but myself. And if right. it's like, if you're asking me to be an actor in something where it's like, someone's just saying like, oh, it's it, the characters just like you. It can yeah. fuck with people's head because then they go, oh, but then, you know, but I want to show you all the stuff that I can do. And, it, and then it's, you know, I think people can get into a thing of not knowing when it's okay to... You know, for example, like, I'm going to give this character my sense of humor. Right. No, I think that that's, I think that that is, a, yeah, that is very valid. Like, if I'm being a character, I know it's like, it's an escape. It's like, I can fully be this other person. Whereas, yeah, when something is mapped closer to you, it is like a, more of a psychological challenge of like, oh, right, this is... This is not as much of an escape. It's more well, of like, a, yeah. Well, we had to do an interesting thing actually on that web episode yeah. because it's like we were both sort of, they had an interesting note, which was like, don't be, for me, it was don't be Jerry Seinfeld. Right. But it was tough because your lines were like, what's the deal? What's the with? deal with this? And what's the deal with that? Right. So, and similarly for you, and I think like, particularly the way that they did your hair, it was right. like, I mean, how, how is it not Julia Louis-Dreyfus? I know. I know. But I think it's sort of like, but we, I think we found this interesting thing, which was like, you're, you're, what I decided to do with him was just sort of play into, uh, actually kind of play into a little bit the fact that Jerry was not an actor, that he felt, that he always felt a little bit like he was uh, a real person existing in this world of characters. Yeah. Totally. And that he would laugh at it. He would laugh in the middle of a scene because something would strike Jerry as being funny in the middle of a sitcom. And he would just <laughs> laugh at it. I so love it. That's kind of what I latched onto because I can. I and then most of the rest of it, it was just me being kind of me. I think. Right. Same. I think it was like, uh, yeah, me being me, but then getting the permission to be a little like bigger because it was a bit of a lane because it was a bit of like a well, lane and that yeah. that was so completely just we were i think it was just bl we were blessed to work off each other because i think we you gave me permission to have fun and i think yes. th it, it, that's how i felt i was just like well this this only really worked on set because we were having fun making Agreed. each other laugh you know i mean there were times where we couldn't look at each other because <laughs> we were dying and we that was it was it was a real joy, and I, I think like the multicam, uh, what a what a fun. What have a you gotten fun... to do? Because I had not, I have not gotten a chance. I've tested for one sitcom, but Same. I have not gotten to do a sitcom. And I've no, talked I've about tested this for a, one multicam, but I've never yeah. done a multicam outside of of this. And I, I left feeling like, wow, what a joy! It's just such a beautiful blend of, yeah theater and acting because there were takes where we I think we went through the whole thing because it's just you have coverage on everyone so it really gives you the benefit of play yeah absolutely I loved it I would love to do more stuff like that and uh, same yeah I so I think that well let's talk about you've so you've done a lot of other uh television oh, work yes. you've you've done uh, a little late with Lily Singh you've been on yeah. Comedy Central you were on something called Auntie Donna wait Auntie Donna's house on Netflix what is let's that talk about boys who have Fun. I mean, those are the most joyful sketch guys. They're these guys from oh, Australia, really? and they do sketches that are a bit absurd and just so playful and so joyful. And they were so, like, 
come to set, do what you want, like have fun and play, be as big as humanly, like they're big on just being big and fun and goofy. So that was really fun. Oh, that's yeah. great. I got to check that out. So, and yeah. then you've appeared multiple times on Conan, which yes. is, that is the job that I've wanted more than any job. And it's not, it hasn't happened for me yet. I, I to do a sketch for a show, to write for a show, to be a guest. To I have end. terrible news. The show's over. The show's over. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Am I the one to break this news? <laughs> no, I have a vigil. I'm, not, I'm still. I'm still sitting Shiva for Conan's show. <laughs> it never happened for me. I did get you know. The, so I did a web series version of this originally, and oh, cool. I was doing it with Funny or Die. It was a very different kind of a tone. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but it was, I did send it, I did get it. To, apparently Mike Sweeney watched it and was oh, like, nice. sent feedback back to the, the person that I knew over at Team Coco to tell me. It was like, I, he said something like, that guy's very funny. Oh, Which, oh. So that there was you go. Huge. There so you I, go. I got a little validation. I've, I, and I've been to see Conan many times. I went to see his, I saw his tour. When he came to LA, you know, after wow. he was kicked, the, what was it called? Like the not- allowed not legally permitted to be on network television tour Tour? oh yeah something like that i got to see that when he brought that to la the la wing of that and you know but no i've never shook his hand he's he is one of my absolute idols certainly you know i have sort of like idols in acting like philip seymour hoffman was kind of the the person there in in the acting world comedy it's always it's conan yeah and that is I can tell you, yeah, he's a he's a pretty spectacular guy. Just, so you got I some, loved... you have, because you've been, you had been on many times, I, yeah, I they think, were, right? Yeah, they were great. I, I loved them because they were just like, once you were kind of in, they would just email me, hey, you around tomorrow for this sketch, you around for this. It felt, felt really nice, you know, we're in this world of auditioning a lot and to just be able to be like, they trust me and they, they know what I can do. And so then if a writer wrote something for me, then I would they would just offer it, which was always like a really, I feel, yeah, you you ran into a lot of the same people. They just sort of had a group of actors that they used, which made it feel like, I don't know. You know, like when you're doing one-off jobs, you have to like get to know everyone. That's what was so nice about our job too, I think. One-off jobs, there's so much information you're taking in on the day. You're trying mm-hmm. to be your best self because they don't know you. So this is Whereas it's nice to be able to walk into a place and be like, everyone here already knows me. It's okay. Now I just get to do the job. So that was a treat about that job. That is that is but great. But Conan was amazing. So funny. Everyone was so happy on that show. You could tell he treated everyone so well. And it was just, yeah. Did you ever nice. get a little, uh, did you get to make that the Massachusetts connection with him? I actually don't think I did. I, 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 I don't think I did. No. I only was really working with him once uh, in Comic-Con because I was doing a live bit in the show nice so yeah um yeah he's great um so all right now to another subject and an important one so you just finished a national tour of a solo comedy show called no bad days uh the show is set to debut this august on peacock huge congratulations on this project and i understand it's a very personal show it deals with grief and the loss of your dad Uh, is that correct yeah Yep. So it's a show about uh, losing my dad to brain cancer. I moved home uh, when I was about, yeah, in my mid-20s. I moved home to be with him. He was super healthy. And then he was diagnosed with brain cancer and given not a lot of time. And so I just packed my bags and moved home and stayed with him until he passed away. And it was this 
crazy, horrible, beautiful experience of living and watching my dad slowly die and being at an age where I still didn't feel I knew who I was yet and I was terrified to lose him. And so it was kind of yeah. all encompassing. And when I came back to New York after that experience, I couldn't really figure out how to talk about anything but it because it was so vivid in my sure. memory. And so I started doing stand-up about it. And that slowly morphed into this solo show, which I've been performing in some capacity for, for the past six years on and off. So to be able to do it uh, and be done with it has been just such an emotional experience and like cathartic and yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm very sorry for your loss. And I, I've you. spoken to other guests on this podcast about loss of a parent, particularly at a young age. And it's, it's an incredibly rough thing to go through. My wife lost her mom in the midst of this pandemic. Oh, no. And, I'm so you know, sorry. It's it, you know, so it's I, I, it, what you said about like it's the only thing you can talk about makes just from as an observer, I, I can I completely I could understand why that would be. And I did, you know, so you had been working on this for a number of years um, and it, it's developed into an hour long. Is that right? Right. So basically, it was this thing where I, I did it right away. It was just my way of, this was before I did character videos. This was just when I was still like really young in comedy, uh, mostly doing stand up. And it was about losing my dad. It was like uh, the story of losing my father. And that's what it was. And I would say it's about, it was about 40 minutes um, with jokes in between. And then at a certain point, I just stopped. It was like, I felt it was done at that stage. I felt I'd, I'd done what I needed to do at that stage. I stepped away from it for a while, did other stuff. And then someone uh, from Peacock named Mike DiCenzo, who now works at SNL, um, he reached out being like, don't you have a special? I'm working on I'm working on specials at Peacock. Hmm. And I was like, yeah, here it is. I sent it to him. And then he we talked and it was like, well, what would this look like if you did it now? And I was like, well, my experience has changed. That was just me talking about my dad dying. And now I, I would want to talk about what it's like to live without my dad because it's been yeah. six years. So I want to talk about grieving and moving on and the, the after effects of, of this experience. Of so course. that's what the show's become. So it's kind of merged into both the story of my dad dying, but also a story of me living without him. And that's what the final hour is. Well, that is very exciting. I'm, I'm excited to watch And it that. also, it sounds very like bleak, but I'm a big joke person. So it's very, it's also yeah. just a stand-up special. I mean, there's also parts of it where if you, if you clocked in at minute 20, you might just think it's a stand-up special. So yeah, so I understand the show features a lot of forms of comedy and it's dealing with a very serious and emotional subject and that it in yeah. involves some sketch and some stand-up and things like that. Well, sort of, yeah, yeah. It's it's You'll see it and you'll watch it and it's, it's a bit of a variety show in a way. It's got, yeah, it's got a lot of different elements and I, I promise uh, that there are joyful moments in it. So, I'm yeah. very excited to see it. Cool. And, and then this is very exciting. Next up, you can be seen in season two of the Showtime series, Flatbush Misdemeanors. Yeah, right? yeah, actually, thank, yeah, my, um, my first episode drops tomorrow, so... It's season two. It's such a great show. Dan Perlman and Kevin Iso are the creators. And I, yeah, I love the show. And this is the, in its second season. And I, it's, there's been episode one and two. And now tomorrow, episode three drops on the app. And then you can watch it. Sun, or I guess whenever this comes out, who knows? Yeah. This will be, yeah, this is probably going to come out in 2024. But well, yeah, <laughs> the... yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great, great. Yeah. At that um, point, it'll be in season 10 of yeah, Flatbush yeah. Misdemeanors. Um, yeah, yeah. All the characters will have children and yeah. uh, they won't be cool anymore. Um, <laughs> so it sounds like you're maintaining a pretty, a pretty nice sort of like, 
I don't know, what would you say, bi-coastal or sort of, how, how much time have you, have you spent in the last 10 years, have you lived in one place ongoing for, for a full year or do you Definitely. really feel like you've been moving around a lot? No, I, I lived, I would say for my first start, from when I first started comedy, I lived in New York for, barring that one year I moved home to be with my dad, I probably lived in yeah. New York, I want to say like five five years. And then I moved to LA and I've been in LA based for about three and a half years. And this, I would say this past year, things got a little crazy because I was touring. So I was just, I was not really in one place this last year because I was touring as well as working Flatbush in New York. I shot my special in New York, um, but I was based in LA, but I was on the road. So it was a, it was a real year yeah. of, of being all over, but it was actually really nice because of the pandemic i'd spent so much time in one place that i think it uh yeah. it yeah it other times i might be like oh i really miss being in my apartment this time i was like i've been i know that apartment <laughs> i know everything about that couch and i don't need to visit <laughs> it for a little bit yeah yeah that's great well and so and where can and so i guess finally where can people find you online Yes. So at Alyssa Limp on Twitter and Instagram, and that's where you'll see all the updates about stuff I'm doing. Um, and yeah, look out for my special on Peacock and go watch Flappish Misdemeanors. Awesome. Well, and go watch Quick Trip. It's got to be online somewhere. <laughs> go watch. I think it aired as a television. It aired as like a television special in certain of their. It definitely did. Yeah. 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 It was very yeah. fun. A ridiculously fun project. Well, Alyssa, this has been great. You, you're so much fun to work with. I'm. You are. I, I'm proud to know you. I got to say, thank you for repping Boston or Massachusetts with a lot of dignity and a ton thank of joy. You. We appreciate thank you. it. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me, especially with your being on the road right now. And I wish you all the good things in your career. You're the definition of good people. And I, Come on. I just hope that we get to work together always because you're me what too. a fun me time. Me too. What That's all I time. felt. Leaving that thing was like, this better not be the last time we worked together because it was so fun. So, it's a good yeah. thing we didn't get fired. We were yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the running joke is that there was some assistant director who was getting pissed at, at oh, people. Right. Oh, right. That was, <laughs> it was the joke. So our joke was like, could we just ask like very standard, simple questions? Can I go <laughs> use the bathroom? Sure, you can go use the bathroom and then you're fucking fired. Get your shit. Sure. Oh, yeah. You want a glass of water? Sure. Why don't you go get a glass of water and then don't come back. <laughs> don't come back because you are fucking fired. <laughs> Which is just so funny because it couldn't have been a nicer set. Like right. there was just everyone was so nice. There was like, no, there was only one tense moment, and it was a really funny tense moment because they needed somebody in the set to to to, to faint. All of a sudden, they were like, "Well, <laughs> they were like, we should we be we should need someone to faint or something." And then it was just watching the creative team sort of cast their eyes around at the extras who were on set, and it was just the subtext was, "We're looking for somebody." <laughs> It was comfortable hitting the cement floor <laughs> at a high velocity. <laughs> Who is it? Who is it going to be? <laughs> Just to see the glaze over these actors' eyes as they're doing the mental calculation of, am I comfortable being this person? Stop. You're right. I forgot about that. Oh, God. That, that kept oh. me going. That kept me going for days. Who is okay hitting the floor very hard? <laughs> hitting the floor very hard, and it's a multi so we can't have anything on the. We can't fake this. And the, yeah, and the last, the last person to speak up is fucking fired. So <laughs> just want to put that. There. 
Oh my God. Holy shit. Oh, that was so time. fun. Oh. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Alyssa Lynn Paris. A big thanks again to Alyssa for doing it. I hope you all enjoyed it. Before we move on to our second interview, I'm going to take another opportunity to ask you all to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're getting your podcasts from today. We've got more incredible interviews with folks like Leonard Robinson, Claiborne Elder, Beth Reisgraf, Susie Abramite, Gil McKinney, Sufi Bradshaw, Ji Young Han, and Fabrizio Capano coming in the next few weeks. Remember to subscribe to our Patreon to get all our extras with Chris Pine, Melissa Fumero, Baron Vaughn, Chantal Tui, Patrick Adams, and more. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash things are going great for me. And you can check out our link tree to get some of our merch. Our link tree is on our Instagram at things are going great for me. If you like what you hear so far, please give us those five-star ratings. Leave us a nice comment. We so appreciate all your ratings, reviews, and kind words, and we want to keep bringing you these great episodes. Next up is Cheyenne Perez. We talk about our comedy training, the original days of Funny or Die, and the proliferation of internet sketch comedy, her hilarious Finsta account, Cheyenne Casual, and navigating identity as a comedian. Here now is the wonderful, talented Cheyenne Perez. So, yeah, so we, so that class that we took together, we took this character class together at, over mm-hmm. at UCB, and that must have been three years ago. Yes. Because Pete, my youngest, was a baby at the time, and <sighs> and it was pre-pandemic. Do, was it, it was. Twi- was it the year 2020? Dude, I think it was 2019. Yeah, I'm, maybe it's 2019. I think it was 2019, and I just remember that... I was so scared in that class. I was, I, it was so weird just having to like write a character and perform it in front of everyone. In front of people. In front of people. Yeah. I remember he notes you like in front of people and you have to like take the notes. It was just, it was freaky. But I remember you were really good. You were really good. You're very sweet. I, I attempted. And then we had Rebecca Lee, who's on, yeah, who's crazy now. She's 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 got a new movie out. I I got to interview her. Out of the office. She's got it. Yes, out of the office. office. Yeah, she was great. A lot of friends working on that particular series, that movie. It's a movie, right? Yeah, it's a movie. I always think it's a pilot, but it is a freaking movie. Yeah, she's very fun. So I thought it was lots of talent in that character class. That class was great. People were very supportive. It was just a good group. We had a good time. Oh, it was a great class. I remember one that I did. I played George Harrison on LSD. Yeah. And yeah. And I'm surprised how just (laughs) the teacher, Hal Rudnick, beautiful man. He was just like, all right, we are going to find a way to work with this. (laughs) (laughs) And he like wove my puzzle of a character into this piece. It's just a great class. You have to imagine that Hal has seen everything that's tr- the good and the bad the good, the, and the, the bad. good and the bad now i think you know your but you that your work was undeniable and i i think you know it's interesting oh, for me you. to hear that you felt nervous because you you know and i wonder so was that did you feel like because you've had i want to get into some of your like comedy training but like what was what made you nervous about that particular class did you um think? Was it, you know, was it him and his background and <laughs> having done so much? Or was it 
being over at UCB was that a was that relatively new for you at the time? Yes, okay. UCB yeah, for that. sure always terrified me. Institutions fucking scare me, dude. They yeah, yeah. scare me. They just are really big, and I haven't had the best experiences with them. You know, as I I'm sure a lot of comedians have and it's just i think i also am very prone to stage fright i just recently Mm. stopped taking propanolol which is a beta blocker that stops your heart from pumping so much it literally control it like literally is like an ativan for my heart like it just sinks me into relaxation so i was like popping propanolol like nobody's business in that class to like try to be able to like uh, perform on stage and it's gotten a lot better i think since oddly the pandemic being able to take time in my own space as you can see my freaking self-tape wall back there hashtag actor you know very nice um can't access that closet at all that's done but (laughs) that's blocked it's a dead closet oh it's a dead closet i literally crawl in there like a fucking hedgehog to grab anything I need. It's horrible. So it's sweet. yeah, it's so insane classic actor setup. But I think just being able to like do self tapes at home, as I'm sure maybe you felt, of like you feel like you can breathe and it's on your own time rather mm. than feeding off of un- other energies in the room. And I feel like yeah. just having that time to center on myself allowed me to finally be able to deal with everybody's external bullshit that I feel they're projecting even though they're not because it's just ego oh yeah totally well you know know? I've had we've had a lot of these kinds of conversations particularly this season about the self-tapes and I think that you know for some for some folks they love it 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 works in their favor sure and toward their strengths and for other folks you know you know I count on people feeling bad for me when I walk (laughs) in the room (laughs) me too (laughs) I count on that extra little bit of we should Aww. give him something because he looks really sad. Scared, yeah. There's there's something behind the <laughs> eyes that's eyes. really, really, <laughs> it's scaring us yeah. and I, I want it to be better. <laughs> I completely agree. I'm always like, I think I'll go in and I'll be like, will you feed me? Yeah. Like they just like feel the need to like nourish me because I'm shaking in my boots. Yeah. But I, I know I've definitely heard the argument about self-tapes and it's funny, a lot of actors don't like them you know they like that i've heard um uh i'm on sex lives of college girls and Ilya, who is a wonderful actress on that show um she she plays uh leela she was saying that she loves going to auditions because the sheer fear that she feels that is her definition of living and i'm like Bitch, how many drugs have you taken to get to that point? Yeah. yeah. Give that to me. Like, yeah. they live off that fear. because I get like, it. I get know? that, too, for the most part. I think, you know, the the adrenaline, if you, yeah. if you can turn it into adrenaline, it can it can be part of the fun of it, I guess. I totally. Did a, I did a stand-up show for the first time in about three years. How was um, that? It was about, it was how many weeks? It was like two weeks ago now. And I decided to write all new material because, well, it went, I had two spots I had to do. And the first one, I almost had a panic attack. That has never happened to me on stage. I, 
uh, I've talked to folks on this podcast about that uh, with sure. other folks who have said I've had panic attacks while performing. I've never had a full panic Ooh. attack while on stage. It did happen to me. Mm-hmm. I, I it started to go there because uh, I've had panic attacks and I know what they, you know, we know sure, what they feel like, right? Yeah, that they're worse. You, they're you the worse. Have them. Yes, that's why I literally take propanolol. Yeah, right. it is. It is a, a panic attack. And I am so glad that you didn't have one on stage. <laughs> that is horrible. I can't even imagine having a panic attack my, my on stage. Ma- I knew going in, the only thing I knew was that because it was all new material, I needed to know it so well that my mouth knew it. Because Love that. Yeah. Because like I knew that whatever monologue was going to go on in my head about like, oh, here you go. You're never getting through all this. <laughs> that my mouth would keep mawing and jawing through it and it did like amazingly it did and it was funnily enough it was like after i got my first laugh i got my first laugh (gasps) and then that voice that monologue was like and now you will die in front of all these people (laughs) and you know but so i a close-up on my i would love to see a close-up just of my eyes during that moment just to see like how dead they (laughs) must have looked looked. i know that split it's like a split second moment of just like Mm -hmm. you feel the blood stops pumping through your body your heart sinks it's just the worst that's happened a couple times to me on stage and yeah i don't know what i what you do i think you're exactly right is you leave it up to just fucking trust and Mm -hmm. you just have to go you just have to keep going if you stop the audience is you know you're conducting the orchestra you're conducting the space so that audience will feel that immediately so like yeah i am automatically if i ever feel any sort of panic i'm like i'll switch to a big emotion even if it's not part of the sketch which maybe is bad (laughs) but just try (laughs) to you know just to break it yeah no you you said get into your emotions yeah 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 completely i think so too you know particularly when it comes to acting you know Mm because it's like if you're nervous so is the character. Why is the character nervous? There's something love. that they want more than life and death or whatever going on. I, always. That's always happening. That. So it's like that. if you can share that feeling. But I love, yeah, that's how I think about it too. If you can get, just go to how am I, do, how am I feeling? How am I feeling? Yes. Yeah. How am I doing? How am I feeling? Can I break out of this routine? How Do you remember the first time that you started experiencing these things? Because for me it was like... Uh, I may have had them as a kid, but I don't remember them like I do when I was 20 years old. I had a paper due <laughs> and I had my first full-blown panic attack. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I know. I know that one. I mean, I was very lucky where I started doing improv when I was um, 13. I did comedy oh. sports. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did comedy sports. Here in sports. L.A., right? Here in L.A., yeah. yeah. I'm born and raised in this area. Right. Um, so... I did comedy sports. I did a program through our high school. So I was like the luckiest kid because I was like decent at improv and I just had so much support. Like I could do anything and it was family friendly. So it taught me how yeah. to like, you know, perform clean comedy, which is <laughs> gone out the fucking window. But, <laughs> but it started me down that path. But then it was like, let's be real. It was when I remembered when I hit groundlings and I was like, oh, it's time to go into the big leagues. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, mm. I am a small fish in a, a very big pond. And, and how I, old were you when you went over to groundlings? Um, 
psychotically young. I was 18. Holy um, shit. Yeah. I was 18. And the, I think, um, I just still laugh at that till that day. Cause there was one teacher who told me, she was like, I'm going to pull you aside because, um, you're wasting your time here. You should just quit comedy. <gasps> what? You should, yo, yeah, yeah. No. She was like, you should just, and you know what? That's happened to a couple of friends of mine, um, at that particular school. And I know they've done some reforms and stuff, which is great, but I think that, yeah, I was told to quit. And that was, I just remember I was so sad and I recorded it on voice memo because she was like giving, you know what they give them notes like, or uh, you get those mid section reviews, like those mid-year reviews. That's what she said. And it's, I told her, I was like, I promise I'm really good. I'm just like fucking terrified of you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think she kind of got it, but she, I mean, kind of said, she was like, well, you're not doing it. You should quit. So I was like, oh, fuck. But I didn't quit. I just went to a different theater and found my voice. Found found your voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. I can't imagine that. I cannot imagine that someone would would believe that. And also, you cannot do that. No. You can't do that to somebody. You can't can't. say, you can't say, um, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I had, there was, I taught some, uh, somebody in a class and I had them on this podcast and it was funny because they brought this up to me and they're doing very well in comedy. Wow. And, um, uh, they said that, well, it was an, it was like an audition technique class Oh shit! and they brought in a scene from the Sarah Silverman show. Love that show. Love that show. And I just said, oh, I said to them in the note I guess I gave, and I should have been very much more careful about this, but I think I guess I said, oh, you're not going to get that part. I understand what you mean, though. It's it's the Sarah Silverman show, and I think what I meant to say was, like, you need to be, and what I said to her, I guess, was you need to be a comedian, which she was already starting to do. Wow. And I think what I meant was like the, the the Sarah Silverman show is not it's it's not the same thing as doing an acting side because the Sarah Silverman show is written in her specific voice to for be her. played by her. Right. Sure. If That's anybody else does it. Yeah. It's not I totally understand. But also yeah. I get it, you know, as an actor you're we're sensitive folks. We're very empathetic folks. You know, we take it's such a vulnerable craft. But yeah. I mean, Claude, that's such a beautiful thing that I mean, you were able to have a talk with. Well, we, that I actor. hope I explained it well because I, you know, I'm such a fan of hers and she's doing so well. And she basically was like, "You encouraged me into comedy," and it's like, "Good, <laughs> good, like, good, 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 good." Um, and I basically, good. yeah, basically what I was saying is like, you need to get your own. That's you get your own show. That you know, bingo. And, um, but, Beautiful right. way. But to say to somebody, uh, "You're never gonna make it in comedy," like that's different. It's that's. Uh, deeply, deeply yeah, damaging. Dis- yeah, so fucking damaging, especially to, like, let's be real, I'm a woman in this industry already. It's very hard with all the body stuff and, you know, the, the sexuality thing. Do I lead with that? Do I not? So mm. I already have those questions going in my head to mm. then on top of, like, commenting 
on my abilities. I was just like, what is happening? But I have to say, like, it was almost one of those things that I needed to be like, okay, like I'm clearly not shining in this space. Maybe it's time to remove myself and go to a different space. And that's when I went to the pack theater. And yeah, I mean, I found literally who I was like in comedy and, and I just had the best teachers it was awesome. I and the yeah. and the opportunity to perform, which I think is the biggest part, because you know, in some of these bigger institutions, it is difficult to get on the stage there if you don't put in tons of man hours. Um, so this, they had a little bit more like, oh, if you have something, throw it the fuck up on stage, and I did, and it went great. I, I honestly attribute a lot of my training that I got there to like how I was able to book. TV. <laughs> it, it's yeah. pretty wild. So you got, you gained a sense of freedom and a sense of permission to sort of find things, try totally. things there. Totally. That's, that's fantastic. And so how you're younger than I am. So how, what, when were you, like what year were you born? I was born in 93. I'm 29. That's what I thought. I had yeah. a thought. I was like, probably born in the 90s. Okay, yeah, so when you're 90s. doing comedy sports, I'm curious. Is that right next door to where when Funny or Die was basically right there on that same street? Dude, yes. Yeah. It, uh-huh. So, so oh my gosh. So I believe um, uh, the offices were right next to each other, right? Mm-hmm. That's from what basically, I remember. Yeah. yeah, they were pretty close to each other. It was on Seward. That's right. Um, Because you did funnier die stuff, correct? Yeah, I used I did this as a sketch series, which was much more kind of like you know uh, esoteric. Sure, sure, sure. And eccentric, and um, not nearly as earnest. And I think that um, yeah. So I used to bring hard drives over there, and that was cool. It was in a it was in a mansion, so you had these, (laughs) and there there was like a slide in the middle of the place. No, did you ever see the inside of it? When it was over there? Oh, it was cool. No, they had a slide. Yeah, why? They had a slide in there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just for fun. Yeah, just for fun. Yeah. What the fuck? No, no. I think one time we heard it's like, oh, like the funnier die people are gonna use our theater, and we were like, oh my god, like start practicing your bits. <laughs> like yeah. we were just so excited to be in the vicinity of that space. But yeah, comedy sports changed a lot. I was on the college team for a little bit. So high school and then went to go on the college team. And then, um, yeah, I kind of just honestly moved straight to the pack to do and all my comedy get, stuff. So when it came to acting and stuff, did you do a college program? Did you study acting in college? No, you know, I did screenwriting at Northridge. Um, I was originally when I was Got 16, it. I wanted to write. I did improv and I was like, well, you know what? Like, the acting stuff, like, isn't really for me. And I remember saying this to myself constantly. Like, when I heard all these high schoolers being like, I want to be an actor. I was like, oh, my God, I feel so bad for you. That is the hardest career. Yeah. You're a fucking idiot. Like, I was so mean uh-huh. in my head. I was like, I'm going to write. And that's fucking easy, dude. It was not. <laughs> it's no, not. Your writing is so much harder. <laughs> it's so hard. It is so hard. Um, but I went to CSUN for screenwriting and then, yeah, I, I got out and, you know, I think I realized that 
they are kind of intertwined with what I like to do. I like to write for myself. Yeah. Um, I like to write a lot of sketch with other people. And I think, you know, the natural progression improv kind of leads into sketch. And I think yeah. that kind of helped me be like, oh, okay. Like I'm getting responses from the audience. I'm not a horrible actor. Um, but it took like a lot of time to actually start like booking shit. Like it took me 10 years of auditioning um mm-hmm. like just actively as i'm sure you know you know to get yeah. momentum um because it's hard when you're first starting out especially when you're not sag you're doing just anything you can take and mm-hmm. you're trying to build your freaking reel which has like grainy ass footage the mic sounds like shit you're probably saying some very off-color things that someone wrote <laughs> you know <laughs> right, you're like, right. you know so yeah ever since I graduated, I just kind of tried going down that rail. Now, when you were, you know, I feel like, you know, you churn out these amazing characters on your social media. In fact, you have this, you have this fake Instagram account. Oh, Cheyenne Casual. Yeah, I kind of stopped going on her, but I, (laughs) she's such a queen and I love Cheyenne Casual. She's, I like kind of had to stop because I was getting a lot of, freaking hate i was getting a lot of like influencers who had way more pull than me being like you need to fucking stop making fun of me right the fuck now and like legal stuff well, how, how because they were <laughs> they knew that you were making fun of specific influencers no um how? no you know it was weird i think what i would do well, so what i would do when i was doing shine casual who's a fake influencer basically i would spend my time looking at these like horrific influencers who just use material to a 10 like they use so much money just to make their life happy so i would get their pictures and i would like look at them and then i would try to recreate them but like edit my face edit my body um extremely but also so for my stories i (laughs) would i would comment on their pictures and like kind of roast i should say but more just being like Oh my God, I think I have like way more money than you. LOL. Like, like, and then just like screenshotting it and putting it up. But that's when they were like, you're harassing me. This isn't funny. So I was like, okay, I have no money to pay any legal stuff. So she's kind of gone by the wayside, but still love my girl shine casual. Oh my God. I'm sorry to hear that because it's it's hilarious (laughs) stuff. I also, I love, uh, you know, like for yeah, I, I could I, one of the ones that I caught was your being was the influencer who's also the DJ. Oh my gosh, every and has fucking... had their has had their face completely <laughs> done and yeah. <laughs> just the lips. And the I lips. love any character that where it cuts right in the middle of them saying something. Always, <laughs> always works for me. Always gets me. Always gets me. I know it's pandering to you, man. Pandering to you. <laughs> and you put in your bio a, a former pathological liar. I want to know about that. Was that? <laughs> Was that in, was that something that came from your impression of influencers? Or yes. Did you, did you feel that way personally at one point? No, no, no. I think it's just like you see these influencers and they're like, dude, I'm in Greece. My dad is the CEO of Netflix. And by the way, I weigh 96 pounds. And you're like, you're <laughs> fucking lying. You are lying. Right. No, no. Like one right. of those has to be false. So I right. think... It's like trying to pull as many lies as I can to create this false reality, um, if that makes any sense. But try mm-hmm. to still keep it grounded, but just 
pull these absurdities. Like, there are influencers that, oh my gosh, it's like you can take your money and get into regenerative farming or something. What oh are you God. doing going to Greece right now? Oh, I just, uh, I'm such a fucking like old boomer when it comes to these things. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I just, I think it's the influencers. They just get me sometimes. They do. They do. And so when you're coming up with, when did you start coming up with characters originally? So you're doing comedy sports. When did you start to realize, like, because we, it feels like doing characters and impressions on TikTok and Instagram has replaced a period of sketch comedy that. Absolutely. Where people were writing those three to five minute sketches and posting them on Funny or Die or YouTube. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you start, did, were you spending a lot of time, by the way, watching, were you watching Funny or Die a lot? Were you watching a lot oh. of comedy online? Totally. I totally was. And in it's funny. I think I've always struggled with this. Um, I love watching comedy online. I love, there are incredible comedians online. Some that don't even like, that just do it for fucking fun. Yeah. And so don't we, live in LA. Don't live in LA. Don't you know what York. I mean? Yes. Yep. Yes. And they just are like truly being and like following what they feel like they should do and so I think there was always that part of me that I love that and I wanted to do that but on the other hand I'm not the biggest fan of social media as you can see with my other page shy and casual and it's very hard to keep that momentum going so I think a lot of it was inspiration from funny or die like I mean between two ferns I I watched literally nonstop. right um I watched so much of that. And I think um, also what helped me get into doing more characters. And if you know Jeff Sloniker, he's hmm. a um, he was part of uh, the Midnight Show at UCB. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's friends with Hal and he taught um, the character class at the pack. And yeah. that class like truly changed my life as dramatic as it sounds um it just really like was succinctly it just spelled out how a character should be and that inspired me so so much of there are so many ways just to grab these characters because i i realize i live my life kind of laughing at people <laughs> lol um in the compassionate yeah, yeah. sense but just being like you're kind of like the owl. You're like above the tree looking down and being like, ooh, I want to take this, I want to take this. And you make your own little soup of yeah. a little character. And so I think as soon as I took that class, as soon as I started seeing a lot of sketch online, I was like, oh, I could totally do this. But I never sunk my feet fully in because um, posting a lot makes me sad. <laughs> does it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, it does. Oh, right. oh. It totally Just because, does. Because you give something away and then you're hoping that people like it. That thing and then like. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's all ego driven to me. And to me, I'm like, maybe I'm like trying to attempt ego death too early, which is absolutely disgusting. But I, <laughs> I, I'm like, I think it's just feeds so much of a, a part that I don't like to engage in in myself because it's not, I'm getting my, uh, I guess, positive reactions or positivity from other people instead of within, if that makes any sense. So now have you done any, so would, is a dream job of yours still getting, you know, the, the getting cast on SNL thing? Is that a thing that you think about? Have you submitted for it? 
You know what? It used to be so much. I actually left my first manager um, to because my manager that I have now was like, oh, yeah, like if this is a path you want to go down, let's do it. And I think over the years, I realized that while SNL is fucking great, there's also a, a box that you kind of have to fit in. And I think I, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that I don't want to fit into any sort of box. And Hollywood loves molding us into these boxes, you know. Mm, mm, and yeah. I think that there's a lot more that I'd like to do and a lot more f artistic freedom that I like to have. So yeah, I've totally auditioned and I was really stoked with all the work that I was turning in. But again, as I'm sure you've felt with even auditioning in general, sometimes you feel like you turn in these tapes that you're like, this was fucking it. Bye family. I'm mm -hmm. rich now. <laughs> and then you turn it in. You're like, I don't think anybody watched that. <laughs> like, oh, who knows? I, who, who knows? knows? Over with who the knows? SNL? I have no idea. I've submitted I have maybe no idea. I've submitted maybe two tapes. I think. Yeah. Two. Same. Same. And I have, I have no idea if they got watched at all. Same. But some of them get watched, and I've had friends who go and do the callbacks and test and the whole thing. But That's what I'm so curious wonderful. about when you say boxes, because I think I know what you mean by that. But what I'm wondering about is, do you mean that like they are gonna want to highlight or showcase parts of your identity that in a way that for you, you're kind of like, I don't want to be seen as identity comic. Instead, Go I'd like to be a comic. Toad, I think that's exactly it. Um, we're very into yeah. branding here. Like we even have fucking branding classes, which is so crazy to me. Just take some mushrooms. You'll figure it out pretty quick. Like <laughs> Also recommend, yeah. Yeah, also recommend, highly recommend. But I so I think there's like this this lock on of like what's your brand? And I think social media exacerbates that. And I think it's really yeah. easy to get pigeonholed here. Um, and not saying that's a bad thing. That can absolutely work for some people, but I think I'm enjoying the flexibility of being able to figure out letting my comedy grow and not um, because I'm not famous. Um, I don't have like a fucking crazy fan base. M me changing my comedy style isn't seen as um, a bad thing. It's being seen as growth because I haven't right. been pigeonholed in this one thing. Yeah. And you can let aspects of who you are as a person continue totally. to be a little more ambiguous. Well, that was the thing. Totally. That was the thing, I think, you know, because I remember, I mean, oddly, this is maybe not a great example anymore. No, I love it. I, You know, I think that, uh, I mean, God, I, mm, no, I'm not going to say their name, but famous actor. Got it. Brilliant actor would say. I don't want people to know what this, the, 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 the situation of like my marriage is or, or that I'm married at all or that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I think that that allows people to then see the character or, you know, first rather sure. than me the, and not know a lot about me personally. Totally. So, you know, I, I thought I used to think that way, too. And I think the, the thing that I find interesting is with people who like to do stand up comedy. You know, which you don't do as much or did, but did, don't do as much anymore. Yeah, I used to do it a lot when I was, oh God, I think I started when I was 17 and I stopped when I was around 21. I used to have to wait outside of the comedy store 
You were online for the, yeah, for what is it called? Shit. Potluck or whatever? Yes, yes, yes. Um, Yeah, and then I was lucky enough to, like, just get booked there to do shows, but I was too young to enter in the club, so they were like, okay, like, you can, (laughs) when we say it's go time, you can enter the club, and then you have to leave immediately. Right. Um, So, (laughs) which was so weird, and I'd be like, oh, my God, do you guys serve milk here? (laughs) Like, that was my only joke. Like, it was fucking horrible. (laughs) It was, like, so bad. Um, But my mom would do stand-up with me. She's very fucking funny. What? Yeah. Yeah, my mom would do stand-up with me. We weren't a concurrent act, but she would come up um, before me, and she would always introduce, like, (laughs) <laughs> Mia. Oh my god, you gotta follow your mom? Oh yeah, I gotta follow my mom and she would go, and this next comedian is the biggest whore I've ever seen in no. the United States of America. No. My, my daughter, god. Cheyenne. And then he'd be like, uh-huh. thanks mom. Hey guys, got milk? <laughs> oh fucking... my yeah, god. Yeah, it was very cringe. Wait a mom... minute, so this though, this then means <laughs> your mom is a comedian. Is that she... right? Yeah, she is a comedian. <laughs> she's a comedian think, in the sense I that I think she's a comedian. She's a comedian. She's, she's a, a, she has tried to be. She has worked sometimes as a comedian. She goes up, likes to do it. She loves likes it. to do it. She loves it. She's a chiropractor first and foremost, not a sketchy one. I must say, she's a physical therapy route. I must say, some of them are very sketchy and scary. Um, <laughs> but she's um, she's just very funny. And on her Yelp page, it literally is like in the highlights. It's like humor hilarious cracking jokes and cracking my back like love that i love love it it. i love it so she's always been funny i got it from her yeah um but you know she's also my mom was blind legally blind for a little bit um had an eye disease so her driving isn't the (laughs) the best and i learned how to drive from her that's tough in comedy oh yeah no so that was to get all those places totally and i think you know, people do tell her all the time, like, why didn't you, why didn't you act? Why don't you do this? And I think she was just, you know, she didn't, she, she couldn't, she was blind. She couldn't take herself to all those places. And I think it seems much more of like, I feel like everyone's kind of getting into comedy now, which is kind of awesome. I mean, it's way more accessible these days. And I think back then, you know, in the seventies, there was like, our ladies on SNL and, mm. you know, a couple other ones. And that was really it. Was so it just didn't seem like a path for her. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. And her style was very... She's raunchy as fuck. Raunchy. Interesting. Oh. What a fascinating oh. dynamic. Yeah. It was It was very funny. But I'm it's made you the, It's made you the wonderful, unique, quirky, weird, oh, hilarious you. person that you are. <laughs> Oh, right. thank you. Oh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, coupled with my dad being an ex-drug addict, I mean, talk about a soup. Talk right. about a soup, baby. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> How do you feel these days? You feeling okay about life? You feel a little bit more in control of your life and environment where you feel safe, mo- oh, mo- mostly? More. Way more. Right. I mean, I think yeah. meds have very much helped. Um, there's definitely that journey of being like on and off medication for depression and anxiety and just accepting that I am one of those people where sometimes I'll need it and sometimes I won't. I think psychedelics have helped a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. It totally have helped a lot. Microdosing and, and even just doing full force solo trips that have 
made you confront some scary things that you don't want to confront, but you have to run towards the knife and yeah, just yeah. plunge into it. And I think that's, <laughs> I think that's all too. <laughs> um, I quit uh, about two and a half months ago now. I quit uh, using pot, which I had <gasps> been doing for a a long time. How'd and, it go? How'd it go? I mean, it's good. I'm, I feel great. I think, like, wow. you know, I just started to get in, like, I quit, and, like, two days later, I, like, had COVID for the first oh, time. And shit. went through that, and, and it was bad. Like, it hit me pretty hard. Shit. And coming out the other end of it, I hadn't, you know, it sort of prolonged not doing it. Mm-hmm. And then I, mm-hmm. so then I had a bunch of days off of it. And I feel good. And I think part of it was precipitated by we did go to somebody's 40th birthday party, a friend of ours, and they had like mushroom chocolate or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I had like a little bit of that. And I felt fantastic. And I was like, yeah. this is such a wonderful feeling. Wonderful. And it reminded me of how like, you know, I think there was a time when pot like definitely around college age it was like, oh, it makes everything better, oh. you know. For and was, sure. And it was starting to do like the opposite. I was cranky in the morning. I yep. need all the energy I can get right now. Um, totally. Totally. I mean, you have kids, man. And I yeah. can't even imagine like the midday tiredness I get from, because right. I'm a huge stoner. There's literally a weed pillow behind me. Like, love it. And I think yeah. that's such a beautiful thing that you've found that balance because with weed, it is so in our culture now. It is. Right, I it's mean, almost encouraged now. Yeah. Oh, it is, it, and I think like that's crazy. great. And I, I enjoyed it for a long, long time, and uh, would be very funny. I thought well <laughs> on it. I, I thought. And, <laughs> I thought me but too. But <laughs> I think that like, but it, at least with shrooms, like I do feel like there's a lightness to it that I find uh, totally. really beneficial, and it does open up pathways that you know, where you also still have energy to mm-hmm. uh-huh. <laughs> go uh-huh. for a walk. Whereas uh-huh. like weed, there is that thing sometimes where it's like, uh, I'm just gonna be sitting. Oh, totally. I am in yeah. the couch, in the couch. Yeah. Like most of the time, if I do partake too much, like it is very hard to find that balance, especially our weed is at like a psychosis percentage. We're at like fucking 80, 70% some of the times. And, and yeah, yeah. I just think like life is all about balance. And, right. you know, when it's high as fuck like that, it's very difficult to find that balance. So I, I think shrooms is also helped me find that balance with weed of realizing like oh this i'm like truly self-medicating because we were in a pandemic my career is terrifying and i think it's helped me uh, exactly what you say feel energetic and and there's light at the end of the tunnel whereas weed it's kind of it's fun for like two hours and then you're just chasing it yeah, I was finding myself with weed. It was getting to, and it, I would go in phases with the paranoia thing where sometimes I'd mm. be paranoid, and some other times I'd be like, I feel fucking great. <laughs> yeah, same. You know, this totally. is like having a whiskey or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. When it was the paranoia thing, it was constantly just checking in and being like, you're stoned. <laughs> that That's why you think that you're in big trouble. <laughs> yes, totally. Like, you're there stoned. is, yeah, you're stoned. There is not a man peering through your window (laughs) you are okay right yeah no the paranoia thing is is so but it didn't happen all it didn't happen all the time it was like some of the time and i haven't felt that 
Although shrooms can be emotional too. Very emotional, but I think that's why I love it. I think as humans, we're like kind of taught to keep our, I mean, especially as fucking Americans, we're taught to keep our emotions close to us and not express them. And I'm just, I mean, shrooms have caused, they've done something so beautiful to me that I'm like, I'm one of those people now where if I'm hanging out with whoever it is, if I'm happy and I feel like I have to cry, I'll just let it go. If I'm sad, I feel like I have to cry, I'll just let it go. And if that makes anybody uncomfortable, come and give me a hug because I'm fucking cool with it. Yeah, (laughs) that's an interesting thing with the side effect of the shrooms is that the tears, like they just, you're not even like, it doesn't. You're not even making noise. It's not. You're. You're not making crying sounds. <laughs> yeah. It but just the tears falls. are just rolling down your cheeks. You're yeah. like, Claude. That is exactly it. It's so funny because it's like the rest of your body isn't crying, but your eyes are. <laughs> Don't go change some waterfalls. They're like fucking pouring, and they won't stop. Like you look like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, you do. That's right. It's oh. so funny. <laughs> Um, well, all right. So now, nowadays, and this is an incredible thing. I, I'm, I'm just so excited watching everything that you're up to now. Thank you're, you, man. You're, you're appearing on this hit new HBO series called The Sex Lives of College Girls. Yes. From creator Mindy Kaling. Huge congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that and, was a crazy one. And just got a, a renewed recently. Is that right? Um, or a go- little bit ago now? Maybe a little bit ago now. Um, yeah, I just finished filming season two season two which was awesome you know you never you never expect to be on a season two or welcome to a season two so that was so fucking cool and honestly taught me how to be on set you know i was able such a warm and friendly set they let you throw shit on the wall and see what sticks and they were just very patient and it kind of demystified all of it like i almost got used to being go-karted past the fucking friends fountain you know and the warner brothers (laughs) lot and being like oh my god fucking phoebe was there dude like i just got so used to it it was such a beautiful thing and i think that comfort allowed me to be fine on for all mankind which is on apple tv and like it's just kind of transcended into like oh look i am supposed to do this i'm decent at making people laugh i'm nice on set i'm not a little chode on set you know i'm pretty nice not not too many demands except for like a cold brew every hour but (laughs) you know (laughs) keep that energy going keep that energy going baby all right sure (laughs) can you talk a little about your character joe yeah, of course. Um, Joe, you know, it's funny. Joe starts out by being kind of a fucking little bitch. She, like, my <laughs> first line in the entire series is, like, something along the lines of, like, well, you're a little whore, and I'm fucking done with you because you're a little slut bitch. Like, something crazy. <laughs> That's so not me. Um, and then I become um, friends with Bella, who's played by the, just the genius, Amrit um, Kaur. And... I slowly start becoming friends with her. So we play, me and um, my friend, Sierra Catal, who plays Evangeline, we play two of, like, the head writers on the Catolan in season one, which is their Harvard Lampoon, Essex's in the fictional realm. And then um, season two, uh, we kind of do our own little other thing and have our own 
our own solo solo comedy group, I guess. You uh, could say. A ladies only. A ladies Is that only. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. a ladies only. Nice. A ladies only, and we have a lot of fucking great guest actors that come in, and nice. I think just through that show, I've. I, it's odd playing the voice of reason or this uh, straight woman, I guess you should say. I'm used to being the one that's like, oh, well, you know, like just a weirdo. I'm used to playing the weirdo. So it's very fun and different for me to like actually react like a normal person would. Yeah, of... you're very dialed in. I can see that. Yeah. Thank you. So you can, you can snap right into that thing. I can, I can. I mean, I also owe it to my training. I did it uh, acting at the acting center, which was just awesome. Very improv based. Um, but here in LA. Yeah, here in LA. Here I in don't LA. Know much about the acting center? Where is that place? Dude, it's in Sherman Oaks, and it's really awesome. They're all about. Um, they're like we think a lot of acting um, it can be a detriment when you're giving when you're getting heavily coached. Um, and you're getting told that your character should be this way. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I am the only one who's being my character. Therefore, my instincts are correct. So right, right, right. I'm just yeah. going to go. You, right. They just say, they just say be pretty much. And it just simplifies the acting. I think I it could think be very helpful. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I think a lot of things, because a lot of stuff in LA, honestly, is you're going in, they really just want you to bring who you are into the room. Like, they're not looking for you to be like, imagine me as, like, (laughs) could you see me as being regal? Or could you see me as being, like, the cool guy at school? They're like, no, whatever you look like, whatever whatever person we knew in high school that looks like you. Yes. That's who you're going to be on this show. And, you know. For real. So I, I, I totally get that. And I think you're going to get some cool opportunities, I'm sure, at some point where you're going to have to transform into something. And I think you do that with your character work. And I think that's it should not that should never go underrated. These folks like oh, yourself you, who can man. do amazing character work like that's transformative work. That's doing thank different you, things man. with your mask, your voice, your physical gesture that create somebody that you are totally not. So... Oh, thank you. It's a, I mean, that's kind of the best part, isn't it? I, I love playing these. I have to say, I mean, my wheelhouse is playing wackadoos, is playing someone named Sue Bob who lives in West Virginia. Yeah. Who fucking only eats cotton candy. You know what I mean? Like those, <laughs> <laughs> those people are just law. That's like the that's the heartbeat of America right there. (laughs) Yes, Um, yes, love it. I breathe it. I love it. (laughs) So, so then, so now you're also recurring on an Apple TV Plus series called For All Mankind. Yes, correct, correct. In fact, my high school buddy Michael Benz is also on the series, and folks can listen to Michael's interview in episode eleven. Dude, nice. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. (laughs) And then, so you play space engineer Heather. Yes, I do. What the hell? And you got this amazing mention in New York Magazine's uh, yeah. blog, Vulture. Yeah, I that was wild to me. I only found that because I, so cringe, have a Google alert on For my your name. name. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. That's yeah, okay. let's all throw up together right now. I absolve you of doing <laughs> that. You. I, do, I certainly do the same thing. So <laughs> yeah, let me you. read this for people because this is what I, I was, it's such a great, mention here so the reviewer roxana hadadi i hope hopefully pronouncing your name right roxana wrote 
but there is one aspect of the storyline I cannot stop laughing about: the curly-haired Helios employee, whose IMDb informs me that her name uh, that is named Heather and is portrayed by actress Cheyenne Perez. In the finale, when Heather learns that Helios employees will make less if they leave the company to follow Dev somewhere new. She suddenly becomes a class warrior who sneers at Dev's elitism. Her line reading of, that's pretty easy for you to say, Dev. You're like, rich. It's so unexpectedly petulant and amusing that I would like to keep her around so she can recurrently serve in a useful Debbie Downer capacity. What the fuck? Thank you, free PR. (laughs) What? Dude, I started as a one-day co-star on that show. I was not supposed to recur at all. Um, I went in, and I think originally my line was like, I was cast as the Debbie Downer just for one episode, though. Um, where I just said like, oh, like, they wanted um, this guy to go up in space. And I pretty much said like, He's too fucking old, dude. Like something along the lines of that. But just yeah. rude. I was so rude. And I guess they liked the, <laughs> the way I said it. I was a very bitchy. I think I also kind of have like a little bit of that like California speak mm. to it where mm. I'll throw in a lot of like likes and dudes and all that kind of vernacular. Yeah. Um, where a producer came up to me while I was getting free churros, by the way. They were nice. having churros, yeah, of course, um, in the parking lot. And they were like, dude, we think you're so funny, um, which you never really hear, which was so awesome. Yeah. And um they kind of said they're like they're like, wow, we would we'd love to find a way to get you back on here. But you hear that sometimes you never think it'll happen. So I was like, oh that would be cool. Um and then it just kept happening where anytime they needed somebody to be like, this isn't gonna work, fuck all of you guys, I was that girl. <laughs> <laughs> That. It's hard so. to make a Debbie Downer character <laughs> funny, by the way. Like, oh, you're sweet. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Well, what are your tricks for that? Oh God, you know, I think, I think the comedian in all of us, there's a bit of a cynic, and mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's like all of us. I think it's very easy to fall into that. I am a super glass um, half full kind of person, but. There are two parts to that equal a one, I think. I think you you need a little bit of both. So I think I just had to channel this part of me that's like, this fucking sucks. Space sucks. Your rocket sucks. Fuck Elon Musk. Fuck the 80s. <laughs> fuck the Soviet Union. Like, I just like, just like, what am I listening to? Like, fuck everything. Oh my and God. I just... I think I you just, just wrote win. a new monologue for the show. <laughs> I think so, so too. Fuck space. <laughs> fuck space. Fuck, fuck Elon rockets. Musk. Fuck Mercury. Like, adjust everything. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things you could say that to. I know. Fuck Mercury. <laughs> Pluto, Mercury. you're cool. Pluto, you win. You're yeah. tiny. Yeah. Neptune, suck ass. Suck ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love it. How do you, so when you're doing these, um, these recurring roles all booked off of self-tapes. Yes, man. I mean, yeah. this one, in you this said room. one co-star and turn it into. So this is a great formula here is like get on set. Totally. Just get on set and then totally. be great. That's totally. it. And so size of role does not matter. You could nope. end up being on the show a whole bunch. Totally. That's exactly And getting it. someone from New York Magazine to write how <laughs> to amazing write about you, you Yeah. I. That was... Uh, so mind-blowing, so cool. you know, I, I 
I mean, I think, you know, we audition for these things and we're just happy we have a job. Mm -hmm. We are just happy that we have contribution to our health insurance. We are Mm -hmm. doing what we love. And when someone else recognizes that, it's just such a a beautiful thing. And it has opened up so many other doors for me. It almost looks like I have a freaking overall deal with Apple, which I don't. talk about this. (laughs) Yeah, I want to just ask you, because this is really impressive. So you've got a number of Apple TV Plus shows coming out that you're involved with. And I, so... I wondered about just reading through your bio. It's like oh, with your upcoming projects. I was like, did you got this? You must have gotten discovered. I, dude, I don't know. It's like I guess so. somebody you <laughs> they must be talking about you over there because I can't. I mean, have your rep said at all that like you made a really good impression on this important person at Apple? You know what? No, not really. But it is one of those things that once I booked an Apple TV show, the Apple TV Plus projects did come flooding in. And I I think For All Mankind is such a staple of theirs because it is such a good show. Right. And, you know, I, I think doing well on that program and let's be real, being able to be the person where I can provide some comedy in the drama. Mm-hmm. I think that is such a niche. Oh yeah. And that's you the one know, I try to work all the time. Oh, it's I can't, so I'm not hard. that funny, but I can be the funny, You're per- funny. I can be the funny person <laughs> on the drama show. Totally. Yeah, totally. That is like, that's how exactly how I feel. I'm like, well, these, well, these fucking people are crying. I can at least pull out some laughs. You know, <laughs> I can like try to be funny, but I right. think, yeah, something just happened where it's like the Apple TV plus gates just opened. And I mean, just, I booked my first feature this year, which is called yeah. spirited, a Will Ferrell movie. Right. Um, and yeah, that was just such an honor to work on. I, played i finally get to play a crazy character i play a girl who's obsessed with musicals which is hilarious because uh, i fucking hate musicals I <laughs> i'm the opposite but i know <laughs> I, I get i understand the perspective yes, yes me too and so it. that was fun getting to make fun of people who absolutely love them oh my god yeah and because, especially, it, because this is a musical by the way it is right? a musical it is a musical it's a musical based on a christmas carol right um and i do play someone who's obsessed with musicals and it was the scariest callback maybe of my life Ooh, i had really? to just yeah they were it was the casting director rachel tenor and right the director and he pretty much just had me um do the scene and then improvise like without him stopping me for like a minute or two afterwards of just saying things and that went on for 30 minutes no, no, where no. oh what? oh baby baby 30 fucking minutes on zoom profusely sweating being just like and you're getting to a point in your improv where it's i mean it's kind of the best part your brain is off and you're just like, I started tap dancing. I started fucking throwing myself against the wall. You start pulling out these references that you don't even know are in you, but you're like tapping to some source that's getting you through this 30 minutes of anxiety, but the sheer ride of exhilaration because you're getting laughs. But that's why they booked me, I think, is because on set, um, it was mostly just improv. They so, had. So you're. I'm sorry. You're doing 30 <laughs> minutes of 
of improvisation in a Zoom callback. In a Zoom callback, without yeah. Without a break. No, no Did break. Did you clock it at 30 minutes or it felt like 30 I, minutes? No, I clocked it at 30 minutes. And I, you're, it was crazy. This character is, <laughs> is coming up with musicals. Is that what she's doing? You know, it's, it's kind of like I'm... Um, commenting on my love for musicals. So they almost wanted me to like do little monologues almost. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I remember the first time I saw a musical on Broadway and it was <laughs> like that, that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff. Like, you know, when you're just going, I don't know shit about musicals. I like. That makes it funnier. And probably I was like, have you seen Ola and, Dolly? Like, yeah, I don't right, know, right. you know, like. Yeah. Fucking... And the great Belle Biv. <laughs> <laughs> Bouvier was like, you know, yes. yeah. Uh -huh. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. A matinee idol of mine. And it doesn't even make sense. Yes. Um, unbelievable. Yeah, it was very scary. But that was what being on set was like, is they hired us because they wanted improvisers to be like, look, we have a script, we have alts, but we want your point of view. We like your point of view. We think it's funny. So this is just your time to go. So the scariest point being on set was they're like, all right, Cheyenne, we're just going to leave the camera rolling for like five, ten minutes and just keep going until you can't anymore. Well, so you must at that point, did you have any idea thinking like, okay, this is probably what they're going to have me do when I get to set? Yes, and okay. I was a kind of afraid. I was like, no, they won't have me do that. And then I was like, oh, shit. That's what they are. Yeah, but I left um, set being called the funny girl, so I think I did okay. Yeah, you were like, sure oh, you did. funny girl. I mean, that's, funny a girl. that's an incredible story unto itself that I'm glad we're getting – I'm glad we're recording that. I want people to know that about you because that if, sweet. if, if that's not getting passed around enough, that's a that's an incredible thing that you did. And I've never heard of anything quite like that. Me neither. You you, you do hear these stories about. I had to audition, and it's an insane number of times that they had to audition for sure. something. And, you know, we had Leonard Robinson on this season, who is, was on Insecure, played Tarion on that Ugh, series, like, and he nice. he had to you know he went to the first audition was in a bit of a transition with his sort of what he thought in his career at that point was sort of moving more into writing but also was becoming I think was a groundling at that point so it was moving wow. much more into sort of like doing that and sure. got this audition acting audition and said went in you know wanted it but also was like I'm going to bring like how, who I am right now into the room. Wore sweatpants, ate a bag of chips <gasps> in I the audition. That. And of course they're like, who is that? You know, <laughs> Intriguing. And, yeah. And then auditions, <laughs> I think he said 15 more times. Finally, for different <gasps> roles on the show, finally they just wrote him apart, which he <gasps> killed. They wrote apart for him, went Beautiful. and killed it. And offered I it to him. Love hearing that. I love when creators are just open to being flexible with their projects and letting. Honestly, it's awesome. I auditioned for physical. I think the Apple mm. TV show. Yeah. I auditioned for it like four times, um, different parts, and I didn't get any of them. But the fact that I, I and I was on a veil for four times. But wow, yeah, I was on a veil four times for that show. But I think just like them being able to see me as different parts and like, sure, you're not going to get it sometimes, but there's still that win of like, they value the art that you're bringing to the show and they can see you playing different things. And that, 
I, I love when creators are open like that and just to let the actor go. Well, and that's interesting because now you're also going to do a part on another Roseburn Apple TV yeah. Plus show, Platonic. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I think some of the so writers. Did yeah, I did already. Some of the writers on there for um, did write on uh, physical, I believe. So that maybe could have helped as well. But I play an attorney. What the actual <laughs> fuck? That is uh, crazy. Um, but yeah, I got to work with Rose Byrne and um, Nick Stoller, nice. who yeah. is a, a, genius. a genius. And like. Director the, of uh, Bros, I think. Yeah, yes. And, and um, Bros, exactly. And and um, neighbors, oh, yeah. yeah, just like he's so good, and that whole cast just works as a machine. That was the fastest set I've ever been on. Um, they like maybe get three takes of each scene, and then they're like, "We're done. We yeah. got it." Like there is no parsing. It's just like they let the actor do their thing. He'll maybe do some notes, and then he's like, "All right, we're out." And so much improv. They allow so much improv. It was awesome. They just leave the cameras rolling, and you're like, I get to keep talking. That's great. It was awesome. And then you, and then another Apple TV Plus series you've got coming out. It's called Sugar, which is yeah. starring Kirby Howell Baptiste and Colin Farrell. Dude, can you I talk am... at all about that series? What that one looks. Is that more serious? What's going that on with is that serious. Yeah. That is serious. I actually don't shoot that until um, September 22nd. So I don't yeah. know how much I can talk about it, but yeah. I know I play um, a very, of course, always, um, bratty kind of like snotty cafe manager. Um, and I will be in the scene with Colin Farrell. I will be improvising awesome. an eight-minute kiss scene with him. Hopefully they will permit it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh my God. I don't know anymore. After that audition, I'm like, I, I don't, the audition for Spirited now, I'm like, yes. Who anything knows? is possible. Yeah. Yeah. Who fucking knows? But that's coming up very soon. I'm so stoked for that. But yeah, that's another Apple TV show. Very serious stuff I'm going to be working with. So that's um, very exciting. <laughs> Do you, are you doing anything in terms of your writing, for example, are you working on anything? Do you have a pilot script or how many pilot scripts do you have? Do you have feature <laughs> scripts? Where are you with your writing these days? Yeah, you know, um, my friend Sierra Catow, who's an incredible stand-up comedian, she also plays Evangeline on Sex, Lives of College Girls. We have um, a pilot in development right now that we're kind of nice. just working to um, send off, pitch around. Um, and she just sold um, a show on Amazon, so... We're kind of lucky we're using her. I'm like literally glued to her back, just being like, hey, take me. Uh, <laughs> so we're kind of just trying to see where we can get that at. And um, a couple years ago, I did a one-woman show about my experience in um, middle school. And it was kind of funny. It was right before Pen15 came out. Um, and it, it just... Mm just did very well and I was lucky enough to get new reps because of that show and yeah. it was just awesome um but I'm gonna do another one um very soon TBD um where I'm gonna be doing the Eagles documentary but I'm playing every part yes <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes yeah, love the Eagles I think the documentary is so dramatic it is so funny these fucking men yeah. are just like they so take serious. yes so serious and they're like 
I almost died on my guitar that night. Just like crazy fucking, I love it. Uh, So that I've written that and um, I'm kind of just, Jeff um, Sloniker, who I talked about earlier, was my character teacher. He's like been my mentor, my guru, my director for my one woman. And he um, moved up to the Bay. So I'm kind of just in limbo finding a new director and seeing where that goes. Yeah, nice. Well, that's awesome. And finally, where can people find you online? Oh, um, they can find me on my Instagram. I barely post on it, but sometimes I'll be there. It's at Cheyenne Perez, C-H-E-Y-E-N-N-E-P-E-R-E-Z-Z-Z. Hopefully I won't make you fall asleep. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm so funny. And then at Cheyenne Casual. um, Spelled the same way. Yeah. (laughs) The child of Jack Nicholson. The illegitimate child of Jack Nicholson. Yes. 24, what is the, oh, has $24 million? Yeah, I'm like, I my net worth is $24 million. And I have convinced a couple of people that I am Jack Nicholson's daughter because I photoshopped you, him. Yeah. yeah, like in pictures with me where we cover up a murder, cover up a crime scene. It's insane. <laughs> right. It's yeah. like us standing next to like bloody body and people are like, whoa, your dad is fucking Jack. So it's pretty good <laughs> that's a huge win right there yeah huge win <laughs> uh well Cheyenne this has been so great uh I, I'm a big fan um, you too Claude you're the fucking best I'm so happy you're doing well man uh you too I'm thank you so much for chatting with me I'm super excited for you and for all these wonderful projects that you've got coming out and um yeah I wish you continued success thank you you too Claude you too we're doing it we're, we're doing, doing it, it. Man. we're doing it <laughs> If you listened all the way to the end of this episode, thank you. Hey, since you stuck around with us, why not go ahead and give us a subscribe? Or perhaps a sweet, sweet five-star rating. A nice comment. And we'll return the favor by bringing you even more quality conversation in the future. You can check out our Patreon and our swag for more ways to support the pod. You can find both in our Instagram handle at things are going great for me. Stay tuned because we've got seven more incredible episodes premiering every Wednesday, including interviews with Leonard Robinson, Claiborne Elder, Beth Reisgraf, Susie Abermite, Gil McKinney, Sufi Bradshaw, Ji Young Han, and Fabrizio Capano, to name more than a few. Our sound engineer is Christopher Frontiero, and our series composer is Cormac Bluestone. Our graphics editor is Sierra Hauser. All right, for you truly thorough listeners, here's a secret. I've talked on here about my adoption and meeting with my birth mother. I haven't maybe as often talked about my wonderful parents who've been loving, supporting people throughout my life. In fact, I'd like to give my mom, Jane Deering, a quick plug. She runs a wonderful gallery. She has a brilliant eye for art. You can check out her art business on Instagram at Jane Deering Gallery. Please enjoy and maybe fill your home with some beautiful art. See you next time.